Section 16 of The Interpretation of Dreams. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Interpretation of Dreams by Sigmund Freud. Translated by A. A. Brill. Section 16 the material and sources of dreams recent and indifferent impressions in the dream analysis in the morning i saw in a bookseller's window a volume entitled the genus cyclamen apparently a monograph on this plant the cyclamen is my wife's favorite flower i reproach myself for remembering so seldom to bring her flowers as she would like me to do in connection with the theme of giving her flowers i am reminded of a story which i recently told some friends of mine in proof of my assertion that we often forget in obedience to a purpose of the unconscious and that forgetfulness always enables us to form a deduction about the secret disposition of the forgetful person a young woman who has been accustomed to receive a bouquet of flowers from her husband on her birthday misses his token of affection on one of her birthdays and bursts into tears the husband comes in and cannot understand why she is crying until she tells him today is my birthday he claps his hand to his forehead and exclaims oh forgive me i had completely forgotten it and proposes to go out immediately in order to get her flowers but she refuses to be consoled for she sees in her husband's forgetfulness a proof that she no longer plays the same part in his thoughts as she formerly did this frog l met my wife two days ago and told her that she was feeling well and asked after me some years ago she was a patient of mine supplementary facts i did once actually write something like a monograph on a plant namely an essay on the coca plant which attracted the attention of k caller to the anaesthetic properties of cocaine i hinted that the alkaloid might be employed as an anaesthetic but i was not thorough enough to pursue the matter further it occurs to me too that on the morning of the day following the dream for the interpretation of which i did not find time till the evening i had thought of cocaine in a kind of a daydream if i were afflicted with glaucoma i would go to berlin and there undergo an operation incognito in the house of my berlin friend at the hands of a surgeon whom he would recommend the surgeon who would not know the name of his patient would boast as usual how easy these operations had become since the introduction of cocaine and i should not betray the fact that i myself had a share in this discovery with this fantasy were connected thoughts of how awkwardly it really is for a physician to claim the professional services of a colleague i should be able to pay the berlin eye specialist who did not know me like anyone else only after recalling this daydream too i realize that there is concealed behind it the memory of a definite event shortly after caller's discovery my father contracted glaucoma he was operated on by my friend dr koningstein the eye specialist dr Collar was in charge of the cocaine anesthetization and he made the remark that on this occasion all the three persons who had been responsible for the introduction of cocaine had been brought together 
my thoughts now pass on the time when i was last reminded of the history of cocaine this was a few days earlier when i received a first shrift a publication in which grateful pupils had commemorated the jubilee of their teacher and laboratory director among the titles to the fame of persons connected with the laboratory i found a note to the effect that the discovery of the anaesthetic properties of cocaine had been due to k Kohler. now i suddenly become aware that the dream is connected with an experience of the previous evening i had just accompanied dr konigstein to his home and had entered into a discussion of a subject which excites me greatly whenever it is mentioned while i was walking with him in the entrance hall professor gartner and his wife came up i could not refrain from congratulating them both upon their blooming appearance now professor gartner is one of the authors of the first script of which i have just spoken and he may well have reminded me of it and frau l of whose birthday disappointment i spoke a little way back had been mentioned though of course in another connection in my conversation with dr konigstein i shall now try to elucidate the other determinants of the dream content a dried specimen of the plant accompanies the monograph as though it were a herbarium and herbarium reminds me of the gymnasium the director of our gymnasium once called the pupils of upper classes together in order that they might examine and clean the gymnasium herbarium small insects had been found bookworms the director seemed to have little confidence in my ability to assist for he entrusted me with only a few of the pages i know to this day that there were crucifiers on them my interest in botany was never very great at my preliminary examination in botany i was required to identify a crucifier and failed to recognize it had not my theoretical knowledge come to my aid i should have fared badly indeed crucifiers suggest composites the artichoke is really a composite and in actual fact one which i might call my favourite flower my wife more thoughtful than i often brings this favourite flower of mine home from the market i see the monograph which i have written lying before me here again there is an association my friend wrote to me yesterday from berlin i am thinking a great deal about your dream book i see it lying before me completed and i turn the pages how i envied him this power of vision if only i could see it lying before me already completed the folded colour plate when i was a medical student i suffered a sort of craze for studying monographs exclusively in spite of my limited means i subscribed to a number of medical periodicals whose colour plates offered me much delight i was rather proud of this inclination to thoroughness when i subsequently began to publish books myself i had to draw the plates for my own treatises and i remember one of them turned out so badly that a well-meaning colleague ridiculed me for it with this is associated i do not exactly know how a very early memory of my childhood my father by the way of a jest once gave my elder sister and myself a book containing colored plates the book was a narrative of a journey through persia in order that we might destroy it from an educational point of view this was hardly to be commended i was at the time five years old and my sister less than three and the picture of us two children blissfully tearing the book to pieces i should add like an artichoke leaf by leaf is almost the only one 
from this period of my life which has remained vivid in my memory when i afterwards became a student i developed a conspicuous fondness for collecting and processing books an analogy to the inclination for studying from monographs a hobby alluded in my dream thoughts in connection with cyclamen and artichoke i became bookworm ever since i have been engaged in introspection i have always traced this earliest passion of my life to this impression of my childhood or rather i have recognized in this childish scene a screen or concealing memory of my subsequent bibliophilia and of course i learned at an early age that our passions often become our misfortunes when i was seventeen i ran up a very considerable account at a bookseller's with no means with which to settle it and my father would hardly accept it as an excuse that my passion was at least a respectable one but the mention of this experience of my youth brings me back to my conversation with my friend dr konigstein on the evening preceding the dream for one of the themes of this conversation was the same old reproach that i am much too absorbed in my hobbies for reasons which are not relevant here i shall not continue the interpretation of this dream but will merely indicate the path which leads to it in the course of the interpretation i was reminded of my conversation with dr konigstein and indeed of more than one portion of it when i consider the subjects touched upon this conversation the meaning of the dream immediately becomes clear to me all the train of thought which have been started by my own inclinations and those of my wife the cocaine the awkwardness of securing medical treatment from one's own colleagues my preference for monographical studies and my neglect of certain subjects such as botany all these are continued in and lead up to one branch or another of this widely ramified conversation the dream once more assumes the character of a justification of a plea for my rights like the dream of irma's injection the first to be analyzed it even continues the theme which that the dream introduced and discusses it in association with new subject matter which has been added in the interval between the two dreams even the dream's apparently indifferent form of expression at once acquires a meaning now it means i am indeed the man who has written that valuable and successful treatise on cocaine just as previously i declared in self-justification i am after all a thorough and industrious student and in both instances i find the meaning i can allow myself this but i may dispense with the further interpretation of the dream because my only purpose in recording it was to examine the relation of the dream content to the experience of the previous day which arouses it as long as i know only the manifest content of this dream only one relation to any impression of the day is obvious but after i have completed the interpretation a second source of the dream becomes apparent in another experience of the same day the first of these impressions to which the dream refers is an indifferent one a subordinate circumstance i see a book in a shop window whose title holds me for a moment but whose contents could hardly interest me the second experience was of great psychic value i talked earnestly with my friend the eye specialist for about an hour i made allusions in this conversation which must have ruffled the feelings of both of us and which in me awakened memories in connection with which 
I was aware of a great variety of inner stimuli. Further, this conversation was broken off unfinished, because some acquaintances joined us. What now is the relation of these two impressions of the day to one another, and to the dream which followed during the night? In the manifestation dream content, I find merely an allusion to the indifferent impression, and I am thus able to reaffirm that the dream prefers to take up into its content experiences of a non-essential character. In the dream interpretation, on the contrary, everything converges upon an important and justifiably disturbing event. If I judge the sensation of the dream in the only correct way, according to the latent content which is brought up to light in the analysis, I find that I have unwittingly lighted upon a new and important discovery. I see that the puzzling theory that the dream deals only with worthless odds and ends of the day's experiences has no justification. I am also compelled to contradict the assertion that the psychic life of the waking state is not continued in the dream and that hence the dream wastes our psychic energy on trivial material. The very opposite is true. What has claimed our attention during the day dominates our dream thoughts also and we take pains to dream only in connection with such matters as have given us food for thought during the day. Perhaps the most immediate explanation of the fact that I dream of the indifferent impression of the day, while the impression which has with good reason excited me causes me to dream, is that here again we are dealing with the phenomenon of dream distortion, which we have referred to as psychic force playing the part of a censorship. The recollection of the monograph on the genus cyclamen is utilized as though it were an allusion to the conversation with my friend, just as the mention of my patient's friend in the dream of the deferred supper is represented by the allusion smoked salmon. The only question is, by what intermediate links can the impression of the monograph come to assume the relation of the allusion to the conversation with the eye specialist? since such a relation is not at first perceptible. In the example of the deferred supper, the relation is evident at the outset. Smoked salmon, as the favorite dish of the patient's friend, belongs to the circle of ideas which the friend's personality would naturally evoke in the mind of the dreamer. In our new example, we are dealing with two entirely separate impressions, which at first glance seem to have nothing in common except, indeed, that they occur on the same day. The monograph attracts my attention in the morning. In the evening, I take part in the conversation. The answer furnished by the analysis is as follows. Such relations between the two impressions as do not exist from the first are established subsequently between the idea content of one impression and the idea content of the other. I have already picked out the intermediate links emphasized in the course of writing the analysis only under some outside influence perhaps the recollection of the flowers missed by frau l would the idea of the monograph on the cyclamen have attached itself to the idea that cyclamen is my wife's favorite flower i do not believe that these inconspicuous thoughts would have sufficed to evoke a dream there needs no ghost my lord come from the grave to tell us as this we read in hamlet but behold in the analysis 
i am reminded that the name of the man who interrupted our conversation was gartner gartner and that i thought his wife looked blooming indeed now i even remember that one of my female patients who bears the pretty name of flora was for a time the main subject of our conversation it must have happened that by means of these intermediate links from the sphere of botanical ideas the association was effected between the two events of the day the indifferent one and the stimulating one other relations were then established that of cocaine for example which can with perfect appropriateness form a link between the person of dr Kunigstein and the botanical monograph which i have written and thus secure the fusion of the two circles of ideas so that now a portion of the first experience may be used as an allusion to the second i am prepared to find this explanation attacked as either arbitrary or artificial what would have happened if professor gartner and his blooming wife had not appeared and if the patient who was under discussion had been called not flora but anna and yet the answer is not hard to find if these thought relations had not been available others would have probably have been selected it is easy to establish relations of this sort as the jocular questions and conundrums with which we amuse ourselves suffice to show the range of wit is unlimited to go a step farther if no sufficiently fertile associations between the two impressions of the day could have been established the dream would simply have followed a different course another of the different impressions of the day such as to come in multitudes and have forgotten would have taken the place of the monograph in the dream would have formed an association with the content of the conversation and would have represented this in the dream since it was the impression of the monograph and no other that was fated to perform this function this impression was probably that most suitable for the purpose one need not like lessing's hanschen shalu be astonished that only rich people of the world possess the most money still the psychological process by which according to our exposition the indifferent experience substitutes itself for the psychologically important one seems to us odd and open to question in a later chapter we shall undertake the task of making the peculiarities of this seemingly incorrect operation more intelligible here we are concerned only with the result of this process which we are compelled to accept by constantly recurring experiences in the analysis of dreams in this process it is as though in the course of the intermediate steps a displacement occurs let us say of psychic ascent until ideas of feeble potential by taking over the charge from the ideas which have a stronger initial potential reach a degree of intensity which enables them to force their way to consciousness such displacements do not in the least surprise us when it is a question of the transference of affective magnitudes or of motor activities that the lonely spinster transfers her affection to animals that the bachelor becomes a passionate collector that the soldier defends a scrap of colored cloth his flag with his life-blood that in a love affair a clasp of hands a moment longer than usual evokes a sensation of bliss or that in othello a lost handkerchief causes an outburst of rage 
all these are examples of psychic displacements which to us seem incontestable but if by the same means in accordance with the same fundamental principles a decision is made as to what is to reach our consciousness and what is to be withheld from it that is to say what we are to think this gives us the impression of morbidity and if it occurs in waking life we call it an error of thought we may here anticipate the result of a discussion which will be undertaken later namely that the psychic process which we recognized in dream displacement proves to be not a morbidly deranged process but one merely differing from the normal one of a more primary nature thus we interpret the fact that the dream content takes up remnants of trivial experiences as a manifestation of dream distortion by displacement and we thereupon remember that we have recognized this dream distortion as the work of a censorship operating between the two psychic instances we may therefore expect that dream analysis will constantly show us the real and psychically significant source of the dream in the events of the day the memory of which has been transferred its accentuation to indifferent memory this conception is in complete opposition to robert's theory which consequently has no further value for us the fact which robert was trying to explain simply does not exist its assumption is based on a misunderstanding on a failure to substitute the real meaning of the dream for its apparent meaning a further objection to robert's doctrine is as follows if the task of the dream were really to rid our memory by means of a special psychic activity of the slag of the day's recollections our sleep would perforce be more troubled engaged in more strenuous work than we can suppose it to be judging by our waking thoughts for the number of indifferent impressions of the day against which we should have to protect our memory is obviously immeasurably large the whole night would not be long enough to dispose of them all it is far more probable that the forgetting of the indifferent impressions takes place without any active interference on the part of our psychic powers still something cautions us against leaving of robert's theory without further consideration we have left unexplained the fact that one of the indifferent impressions of the day indeed even of the previous day constantly makes a contribution to the dream content the relations between this impression and the real source of the dream in the unconscious do not always exist from the outset as we have seen they are established subsequently while the dream is actually at work as though to serve the purpose of the intended displacement something therefore must necessitate the opening up of connections in the direction of the recent but indifferent impression this impression must possess some quality that gives it a special fitness otherwise it would be as easy for the dream thoughts to shift their accentuation to some inessential component of their own sphere of ideas experiences such as the following show us the way to an explanation if the day has brought us two or more experiences which are worthy to evoke a dream the dream will blend the allusions of both into a single whole it obeys the compulsion to make them into a single whole for example one summer afternoon i entered a railway carriage in which i found two acquaintances of mine 
who were unknown to one another one of them was an influential colleague the other a member of a distinguished family which i had been attending in my professional capacity i introduced the two gentlemen to each other but during the long journey they conversed with each other through me so that i had to discuss this or that topic now with one now with the other i asked my colleague to recommend a mutual acquaintance who had just begun to practice as a physician he replied that he was convinced of the young man's ability but that his undistinguished appearance would make it difficult for him to obtain patients in the upper ranks of society to this i rejoined that is precisely why he needs recommendation a little later turning to my other fellow traveller i inquired about the health of his aunt the mother of one of my patients who was at this time prostrated by serious illness on the night following this journey i dreamed that the young friend whom i had asked one of my companions to recommend was in a fashionable drawing-room and with all the bearing of a man of the world was making before a distinguished company in which i recognized all the rich and aristocratic persons of my acquaintance a funeral oration over the old lady who in my dream had already died who was the aunt of my second fellow-traveller i confess frankly that i had not been on good terms with this lady thus my dream had once more found the connection between the two impressions of the day and by means of the two had constructed a unified situation in view of many similar experiences i am persuaded to advance the proposition that a dream of dream simulation which i offer to it in a subsequent chapter on the function of dreams we shall consider this impulse of combination as a part of process of condensation another primary psychic process i shall now consider the question whether the dream exciting source to which our analysis leads us must always be a recent and significant event or whether a subjective experience that is to say the recollection of a psychologically significant event a train of thought may assume the role of a dream stimulus the very definite answer derived from numerous analysis is as follows the stimulus of the dream may be a subjective transaction which has been made recent as it were by the mental activity of the day and this is perhaps the best time to summarize in schematic form the different conditions under which the dream sources are operative the source of a dream may be a a recent and psychologically significant event which is directly represented in the dream the dream of irma's injection the dream of the friend who is my uncle b several recent and significant events which are combined by the dream in a single whole the dream of the funeral oration delivered by the young physician c one or more recent and significant events which are represented in the dream content by allusion to a contemporary but indifferent event the dream of botanical monographs a subjectively significant experience recollection train of thought which is constantly represented in the dream by allusion to a recent but indifferent impression the dream of my patients during analysis are mostly of this kind as may be seen in dream interpretation the condition is always fulfilled that one component of dream content 
repeats a recent impression of the day of the dream the component which is destined to be represented in the dream may either belong to the same circle of ideas or as the dream stimulus itself as an essential or even an inessential element of the same or it may originate in the neighborhood of an indifferent impression which has been brought by more or less abandoned associations into relation with the sphere of the dream stimulus the apparent multiplicity of these conditions results merely from the alternative that a displacement has or has not occurred and it may here be noted that this alternative enables us to explain the contrasts of the dream quite as readily as the medical theory of the dream explains the series of states from the partial to the complete waking of the brain cells in considering this series of sources we note further that psychologically significant but not recent element a train of thought a recollection may be replaced for the purposes of the dream formation by a recent but psychologically indifferent element provided the following conditions are fulfilled one the dream content preserves a connection with things recently experienced two the dream stimulus is still a psychologically significant event in one single case a both these conditions are fulfilled by the same impression if we now consider that these same indifferent impressions which are utilized for the dream as long as they are recent lose this qualification as soon as they are a day or at most several days older we are obliged to assume that the very freshness of an impression gives it a certain psychological value for dream formation somewhat equivalent to the value of emotionally accentuated memories or train of thoughts later on in the light of certain psychological considerations we shall be able to divine the explanation of this importance of recent impressions in dream formation incidentally our attention here is called to the fact that at night and unnoticed by our consciousness important changes may occur in the material comprised by our ideas and memories the injunction that before making a final decision in any matter one should sleep on it for a night is obviously fully justified at this point we find that we are passed from the psychology of dreaming to the psychology of sleep a step which there will often be occasion to take at this point there arises an objection which threatens to invalidate the conclusions at which we have just arrived if indifferent impressions can find their way into the dream only so long as they are of recent origin how does it happen that in the dream content we find elements also from earlier periods of our lives which at the time when they were still recent possessed as trumpel puts it no psychic value and which therefore ought to have been forgotten long ago elements that is which are neither fresh nor psychologically significant the objection can be disposed of completely if we have recourse to the results of the psychoanalysis of neurotics the solution is as follows the process of shifting and rearrangement which replaces material of psychic significance by material which is indifferent whether one is dreaming or thinking has already taken place in these earlier periods of life and has since become fixed in memory 
those elements which were originally indifferent are in fact no longer so since they have acquired the value of psychologically significant material that which has actually remained indifferent can never be reproduced in the dream from the foregoing exposition the reader may rightly conclude that i assert that there are no indifferent dream stimuli and therefore no guileless dreams this i absolutely and unconditionally believe to be the case apart from the dreams of children and perhaps the brief dream reactions to nocturnal sensations apart from these exceptions whatever one dreams is either plainly recognizable as being psychically significant or it is distorted and can be judged correctly only after complete interpretation when it proves after all to be of psychic significance the dream never concerns itself with the trifles we do not sleep to be disturbed by trivialities dreams which are apparently guileless turn out to be the reverse of innocent if one takes the trouble to interpret them if i may be permitted the expression the ail show the mark of the beast since this is another point on which i may expect contradiction and since i am glad of an opportunity to show dream distortion at work i shall here subject to analysis a number of guileless dreams from my collection one an intelligent and refined young woman who in real life is distinctly reserved one of those people of whom one says that still water runs deep relates the following dream i dreamt that i arrived at the market too late and could get nothing from either the butcher or the greengrocer woman surely a guileless dream but as it has not the appearance of a real dream i induced her to relate it in detail a report then runs as follows she goes to the market with her cook who carries the basket the butcher tells her after she was asking him for something that is no longer to be obtained and waits to give her something else with the remark that is good too she refuses and goes to the greengrocer woman the latter tries to sell her a peculiar vegetable which is bound up in bundles and is black in color she says i don't know that i won't take it the connection of the dream by the preceding day is simple enough she had really gone to the market too late and had been unable to buy anything the meat shop was already closed comes into one's mind as a description of the experience but wait it is not that a very vulgar phrase which or rather the opposite of which denotes a certain neglect with regards to man's clothing the dreamer has not used these words she has perhaps avoided them but let us look for the interpretation of the details contained in the dream when in a dream something has the character of a spoken utterance that is when it is said or heard not merely thought and the distinction can be usually made with certainty then it originates in the utterances of waking life which have of course been treated as raw material dismembered and slightly altered and above all removed from their context in the work of interpretation we may take such utterances as our starting point where then does the butcher statement that is no longer to be obtained come from from myself 
i had explained to her some days previously that the oldest experiences of childhood are no longer to be obtained as such but will be replaced in the analysis by transferences and dreams thus i am the butcher and she refuses to accept these transferences to the present of old ways of thinking and feeling where does a dream utterance i don't know that i won't take it come from for the purposes of the analysis this has to be dissected i don't know that she herself had said to her cook with whom she had a dispute on the previous day but she had then added behave yourself decently here a displacement is palpable of the two sentences which she spoke to her cook she included the insignificant one in her dream but suppressed the other but the suppressed sentence behave yourself decently alone fits in with the rest of the dream content one might use the words to a man who was making indecent overtures and had neglected to close his meat shop that we have really hit upon the trail of interpretation is proved by its agreement with the allusion made by the incident with the greengrocer woman a vegetable which is sold tied up in bundles a longish vegetable as she subsequently adds and is also black what can this be but a dream combination of asparagus and black radish i need not interpret asparagus to the initiated and the other vegetable too think of the exclamation blacky save yourself seems to me to point to the sexual theme at which we guessed in the beginning when we wanted to replace the story of the dream by the meat shop is closed we are not here concerned with the full meaning of the dream so much is certain that it is full of meaning and by no means guileless two another guileless dream of the same patient which in some respects is appendant to the above her husband asks her ought not we to have the piano tuned she replies it's not worth while the hammers would have to be rebuffed as well again we have the reproduction of an actual event of the preceding day her husband had asked her such a question and she had answered it in such words but what is the meaning of her dreaming it she says of the piano that is a disgusting old box which has a bad tone it belonged to her husband before they were married etc but the key to the true solution lies in the phrase it isn't worthwhile this has its origin in a call paid yesterday to a woman friend she was asked to take off her coat but declined saying thanks it isn't worthwhile i must go in a moment at this point i recall that yesterday during the analysis she suddenly took hold of her coat of which a button had come undone it was as though she meant to say please don't look in it isn't worthwhile thus box becomes chest and the interpretation of the dream leads to the years when she was growing out of her childhood when she began to be dissatisfied with her figure it leads us back indeed to earlier periods if we take into consideration the disgusting and the bad tone and remember how often in allusions and in dreams the two small hemispheres of the female body take the place as a substitute and antithesis of the large ones three i will interrupt the analysis of this dreamer in order to insert a short 
innocent dream which was dreamed by a young man he dreamed he was pulling on his winter coat again this was terrible the occasion for this dream is apparently the sudden advent of cold weather on more careful examination we note that the two brief fragments of the dream do not fit together very well for what could be terrible about wearing a thick or a heavy coat in cold weather unfortunately for the innocency of this dream the first association under analysis yields the recollection that yesterday a lady had confidentially confessed to him that her last child owed its existence to the splitting of a condom he now reconstructs his thoughts in accordance with this suggestion a thin condom is dangerous a thick one is bad a condom is a pullover ubersiher literally pullover for it is pulled over something an ubersiher in german is a term for a light overcoat an experience like that related by a lady would indeed be terrible for an unmarried man we will now return to our other innocent dreamer four she puts a candle into a candlestick but the candle is broken so that it does not stand up the girls at school say she is clumsy but she replies that it is not her fault here too there is an actual occasion for the dream the day before she had actually put a candle into a candlestick but this one was not broken an obvious symbolism has here been employed the candle is an object which excites the female genitals its being broken so that it does not stand upright signifies impotence on the man's part it's not her fault but does this young woman carefully brought up and a stranger to all obscenity know of such an application of the candle by chance she was able to tell how she came by this information while paddling a canoe on the rhine a boat passed her which contained some students who were singing rapturously or rather yelling when the queen of sweden behind closed shutters with the candles of apollo she does not hear or else understand the last word her husband was asked to give her the required explanation these verses are then replaced in the dream content by the innocent recollection of a task which she once performed clumsily at a boarding school because of the closed shutters the connection between the theme of masturbation and that of impotence is clear enough apollo in the latin dream content connects this dream with an earlier one in which the virgin pallas figured all this is obviously not innocent five lest it may seem too easy a matter to draw conclusions from dreams concerning the dreamer's real circumstances i had another dream originating with the same person which once more appears innocent i dreamt of doing something she relates which i actually did during the day that is to say i felt a little trunk so full of books that i had difficulty in closing it my dream was just like the actual occurrence here the dreamer herself emphasizes the correspondence between the dream and the reality all such criticisms of the dream and comments of the dream although they have found a place in the waking thoughts properly belong to the latent dream content as further examples will confirm we are told then that what the dream relates was actually occurred during the day it would take us too far afield to show 
how we arrive at the idea of making use of the english language to help us in the interpretation of this dream suffice it to say what it is again a question of a little box compare chapter four the dream of the dead child in the box which has been filled so full that nothing can go into it in all these innocent dreams the sexual factor as the motive of censorship is very prominent but this is a subject of primary significance which we must consider later end of section 16 recording by lambda